thank you guys so much for being here tonight. For those of you that may not know who I am, my name is Steve, and I'm the, uh, I'm the student pastor here at 12 Stone Sugarloaf, and uh, what that means is my full-time job is being able to hang out with each of you, which is like awesome, because you guys, seriously, you guys are like the coolest people on the planet. What I get to do is like a dream come true, I'm telling you, man, it is, it is awesome. So thank you guys for being here for our summer kickoff tonight, especially for those of you that are like new, and this is maybe your first time like back to church in a long time, or maybe first time to, to, to H12, or you're kind of checking out the whole God thing. I think, I think you're really, really going to like tonight. And the reason is tonight is for you. If you've ever had the thought, uh, if you've ever had this thought, okay, if you've ever had the thought, um, you know, the church, the problem with the church is it's just so full of hypocrites, okay? If you've ever thought that before tonight, uh, you're going to love. If you've ever thought, you know, the problem is, too many people in the church, they say one thing and they do another. Okay, if you've ever had that thought, uh, then you're in good luck because tonight we're going to be talking about what I think is the most like misunderstood topic in all of our faith. In fact, and this is, this is like the really cool part, if you're like, if you're new to the whole church thing, you are actually going to understand this topic better than those like me that have been in church for a long time, okay? So we're in for a treat tonight. Now, before we launch into that, I want to talk about a topic that I think is going to be uh, a lot of fun, and the topic is uh, getting in trouble, okay? Yeah, getting in trouble. Didn't think we'd talk about that. A few of you are like praising God for that. That's good. Uh, so getting in trouble, this is, this is fun. I want to tell you about the first time that I, that I really like got in trouble uh, big time. And this was, this was when I was in fourth grade. Okay, so I started, I started young. Some of you were like angels and stuff when you were in elementary school. I was pretty good, but then, but then this happened in fourth grade. Okay, and it happened in uh, my chorus class. Okay, which again is like, how could you be bad? Well, let me explain. Okay, here's, here's kind of the context that's going to make this story make a lot more sense. The problem with my chorus class, okay, the problem with the class was it was like unbelievably boring, okay? It, it was like, for whatever reason, the songs that she wanted us to sing were like the lamest songs on the planet. Like they were so dumb. They were so lame. So I didn't want to sing. In fact, every single day, she, you know, she had this new song that she was trying to teach us. And it was always, it was so like, oh my gosh, it's for kids. And again, I'm in like fourth grade and I think I'm like big and bad. But it was like, man, it's just for kids. Like this is not good. The only time, the only time that we sang a song that I really loved was one day we walked into class and she told us today, we're going to be singing proud to be an American. And I was like, oh, well, that's my jam, okay? So, like, that's, that's just kind of, like, I'm telling you, man, nothing gets me more fired up. You guys ever been to, like, Stone Mountain, you know, and at the very end when they're showing the thing about the family and then they start singing that song? Does anyone else stand up at the end, you know, when he says, and I proudly stand, and then you, like, you have to stand up, you know? It's like, it's anyways, and so we sang that song. That was the only time that I, that I actually liked this class, but normally I didn't like this class, okay? So because I thought this class was really boring and really lame, I did, okay, I did what many of you do when you're in a class that you think is just boring. And that is, you try to like pass the time and entertain yourself, okay? That's, that's all I did. And so I, uh, because, you know, I was in fourth grade and thought I was awesome, I sat in the back of the class, you know, because that's where all the cool kids sat. So it was me and another guy named David Matthews. And David kind of shared my same sentiment. He thought the class was lame. And it's not that we didn't like music, it's just that we didn't like her music, and more specifically, the music that we liked, okay, this is back in the 90s, uh, the music that we liked was good old-fashioned rock and roll, baby. 
You know what I'm saying? It was like, dude, this is, so he and I, we had, you know, this common uh, love for rock and roll. So instead of singing the songs, instead of doing what we were supposed to do, we would sit in the back and we would like talk about our favorite bands and we would, you know, like talk about how cool they are and, you know, how we want to be just like them. And then we did something, I don't even know if you've ever heard of it, so we'll, we'll find out, but we did something called headbanging. Do you guys know? Do you guys know what headbanging? Yeah. Imagine if someone came up behind you and they grab you by the shoulders and then they just like shook you violently and then you had like this whiplash thing, okay? That's what headbanging is, only you do that to yourself, okay? That's just kind of what you do. So uh, my, my, my parents hated it. They said that I would lose a lot of brain cells doing that and I probably did, but I didn't care. And so me and David would sit in the back. We'd talk about rock and roll and we would headbang, you know, because we're like rebels, right? And so we're like sitting in the back, we're headbanging, you know, we're, we're uh, trying to pass the time, kind of doing our deal. Now, Fast forward about nine weeks into the semester, and it's report card day, okay? And I'm telling you, when you're in like fourth grade, report cards are a big deal. You know, that's like, dude, that's your life. You know, I mean, that's everything. That determines whether or not you get to hang out with your friends, whether or not you have freedom, all that stuff. And so it was report card day, and um, there were two grades that you got for every class. Some of you might remember this. One grade that you would get was like your normal, like, hey, how you doing in the class? Did you do your homework? All that stuff. Then the other grade you'd get was a conduct grade. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, the conduct grade was like, are you a good kid or are you a bad kid? Okay, so these were the three types of grades you could get for conduct, okay? E was exceptional, meaning you're just like, oh my gosh, you're like the model kid, you're, you're great, you never really mess up, okay? S, S was satisfactory, which is like, you know, you're pretty good. You're like middle, like you're a kid, you know? It's like sometimes you pay attention, sometimes you talk, that's kind of the way it goes. Okay, so that's the middle. And then there was you, okay, yeah. You was like reserved for the worst of the worst, you know? Like these were the bad, like, like these were the kids that were like bullying the bullies, you know? Like, like these were the kids that like, they're gonna grow up one day and they're gonna have a criminal record, okay? Because they got a you when they were in fourth grade, okay? So, uh, so just, just out of curiosity, how many of you would say, you know what, I'm an E kid? It's like, you know, a pretty much, you know, kind of model. There we go, E kid. How many of you would say, I'm kind of right in the middle, I'm an S kid, you know, I'm like, not too good, not too bad, right? Where are my you people at? Let me see you, yeah, that's what I'm talking about, you're getting into trouble all the time, right? You know what I'm talking about. Okay, so, so when I was in fourth grade, okay, when I was in fourth grade, I, I usually brought home a lot of E's, okay, because again, I, I, you know, if I did something bad, I just really didn't get caught. Sometimes I'd get an S, but really for the most part, I got E's. So, you know, it's nine weeks into the semester, they give us the report card, and I have to bring it home and show my parents, and I'm looking, and I'm looking at my conduct grade, and I'm like, okay, cool, you know, language arts, got an E, um, you know, math, uh, got an E, social studies, got an E, and then I look at my chorus class, and I got a U. And again, when I like, you know, you got to imagine, I'm this little fourth grader, and everything in my life revolves around my report card, and I'm looking at it, and I was, I was stunned. I was like, oh, oh no. And then I had this thought, and, and again, my brain, you know, I'm in fourth grade, my brain wasn't fully formed, and whatever was formed, you know, I killed some brain cells doing some headbanging. Okay, so, uh, so I was in fourth grade, and I remember looking at that and thinking, my parents aren't gonna punish me. They're gonna kill me. 
Like this is, this is the end of my life, right? Like this is it. I'm going to go home and then, you know, they're going to kill me and then they're going to have the gravestone right there. It's going to say Steve Walton and just a big old you, you know, it's like, that's it, man. That is, it's like game over for me, you know? And so I'm, I'm dreading going home and sure enough, I go home and, you know, I have to tell my parents and they're so upset, you know, and they're like, uh, they did this. I don't know if your parents ever did this, um, where they looked at it and they try to control their anger. And they said this, they said, we're not mad. We're just disappointed, you know, and it's like, ah, I just wish you'd be mad, okay, like, it's the worst, you know, and so, of course, they take away my freedoms, I couldn't hang out with David, you know, and I couldn't, I couldn't, you know, spend the night at my friend's house, like, all of a sudden, you know, my, my world as a fourth grader felt like it was coming to a close, so then I became obsessed with one question, okay, because I got a U in this class, and I'm trying to think, I'm trying to figure my way out of this thing, and so this is the question I had, okay, question was, how good, how good do I have to be to be accepted by my teacher, right? Because obviously I just got a U and something's got to change, okay? Because I want my freedoms back. I want to be able to have a life. You know, I don't want my life to be over. So, so, so the question was, what do I have to do? How good do I have to be to be accepted by my teacher? And I had this list in my head of like, well, if I, if I talk in class, then it's not going to go well for me. If I headbang in class, it's not, you know, not going to go well for me. If I, if I disrespect the teacher, it's not going to go well for me. And then I had this other list that was like, well, if I pay attention, then maybe I could, you know, maybe she would, she would like me again. If I, if I respected her, maybe, you know, if I, if I sang her stupid songs, you know, maybe she would like. And so I started coming up with this list of how good do I need to be? What do I need to do to be accepted by my teachers? And for some of you, you've had this before, right? You had the parent-teacher conference. You had something going on, and all of a sudden it became your world. Like, I got to figure out how to get in good graces with my teacher. Some of you. Some of you have had this issue with like a best friend, you know, it's like, it's like maybe, maybe you lied or maybe you did something wrong and all of a sudden your world becomes consumed with how good do I now need to be? Like, what do I need to do to make that person like me again? How can that person like accept me? Maybe for some of you, it's your, it's your parents, you know, because you've had the conversation of, um, you know, we're not mad, we're just disappointed. You've had that over and over and over and over again. And now you're trying to think like, dude, if I want any freedom, if I want to have any sort of a life, I have to figure out the answer to this question. How good do I need to be to be accepted by him? And I think because this is like such a normal part of our, of our kind of daily routine, such a normal part of every relationship, this kind of bleeds over into how we think about God. We're like, well, if, if there's a God up there, you know, and, and, and I'm sure this God's probably good. The question is this, how good do I have to be to be accepted by God? You know, what do I need to do to actually be accepted by God? And here's another way to word it. Maybe you've, maybe you've thought this question, how good do I have to be to go to heaven? Like, what do I need to do in order for God to accept me, for God to love me? Because, you know, because there's a God and he's good and heaven's good and, you know, they got all these good people there. And so what do I need to do? How good do I need to be to get into heaven? And everyone has a different answer to this question. You know, some people, some people think, well, it's, it's like if you're, you know, if you got good deeds and bad deeds, you know, you got the good stuff and the bad stuff. And as long as you do more good stuff than bad stuff, then that's enough. Other people have a different opinion. They think, no, you really, you gotta, you know, if God's giving you a report card, S is not good enough. You gotta get an E. You know, you gotta, you gotta be a great kid. You gotta do really, really good stuff to be accepted by God. 
Other people think, well, as long as I'm not a really bad person, you know, like, like there are you people, you know, these are the people that are like the murderers and the rapists and they do all this bad stuff. And as long as I'm not one of them, then I'll be accepted by God. Then I'll get into heaven. And so this is a, this is a question that maybe you've asked before. Maybe your friends have asked. This is a question that's been asked for a long time. How good do I actually need to be to be accepted by God? And the cool thing is this question actually came up a long, long, long time ago. And it, it was found in this exchange that happened between two people that were on their deathbed. And so I want to look together at this story. It's actually found in your Bible. So you can go ahead, grab your Bibles. They should be right under your chair. But we're going to look together at Luke, Luke chapter 23. And, and I want to kind of set up the, uh, the scene for you, okay? So there's a guy that a lot of you have, have, have probably heard of before, uh, a guy named Jesus and he lived uh, 2,000 years ago. And what we believe about Jesus, we believe Jesus was not only a good guy. He wasn't just like getting the S on his report card. Dude, he got an E, okay? He was a, he was a great guy. In fact, there was nothing that he did wrong ever. He was tempted like you and I are tempted. And yet there was, like, there was no issues that he ever had. I'm telling you, man, this guy was perfect. In fact, we believe that he's even more than perfect. And the crazy thing, the crazy thing about Jesus was that the people that were really religious, they actually, they actually didn't like being around Jesus. For whatever reason, they just didn't like him. But the people nothing like Jesus actually liked Jesus. Okay, so the people that like maybe didn't feel comfortable in church, the people that didn't have their act together, the people that were kind of the S and the U's, you know, the people that got really bad like moral grades, they were the people that loved being around Jesus. But it was those religious people that like, for whatever reason, man, they could not stand Jesus. In fact, uh, you know, I think, I think one of the reasons they didn't like Jesus was because now all these bad people were going to church because of Jesus. All these bad people were showing up and all the religious people were like, what are they doing here? You know, church is for good people. Come on, get, get the bad people. Like church is only for good people. So they didn't like Jesus because of that. The other reason they didn't like Jesus was because they got kind of jealous of Jesus. Because it's like he was teaching and people were listening. And all of a sudden, he's got more of a follower, followers than they do. And so they're starting to get jealous of Jesus. But the third reason, really the main reason they didn't like Jesus, was because Jesus started saying some pretty crazy stuff. In fact, one time Jesus actually, uh, he had the audacity to say that no one gets to God unless they come through me. Another time he actually claimed to be, and this is wild, this is so like, what, are you serious? He claimed to be the son of God. He said, like, like, I'm actually from God. And then on another occasion, he said, if you've seen me, you've seen God. In other words, if you've looked into the face of Jesus, you've looked into the face of God. And as you can imagine, you know, all these religious people were like, what, you can't say that, are you kidding? No, like, that's crazy talk. That's, that's completely out of control. And so they came up with this plan. And they thought if we can't silence him, then the best thing we can do is to kill him. And so they accused him of a bunch of stuff that he, he never did. And they put him on trial and they actually found him guilty. And then they sentenced him to crucifixion. And I want to talk about this for a second. Uh, he was sentenced to be crucified and crucifixion was like the capital punishment of the day. Okay, so this was, this is what you reserve for like the worst of the worst, the people with the U grade, the people that, you know, they were like the rapists, they were the murderers, they were the people that you just wanted off the face of the planet. I'm talking the worst of the worst. And the reason is because this was the worst way you could die. Like this was terrible. It was, uh, uh, in fact, you know, we have this word uh, that, that signifies a lot of pain. The word is excruciating. 
The word excruciating comes from crucifixion because of how painful the crucifixion was. You didn't just die, you died a painful, slow death. So this was only reserved for the worst of the worst, but for Jesus, they wanted to kill him by crucifixion. And he wasn't the only one. On this particular day, he, uh, uh, scripture tells us he was actually crucified and there were two people right next to him. There was a criminal on his right and a criminal on his left. And again, we don't know what those criminals did to deserve crucifixion, but we can guess they probably did something pretty bad. They, they, might, have, they might have killed someone. Maybe they killed a lot of people. Maybe, maybe, they, maybe they raped someone. Maybe they raped a lot of people. Maybe they, you know, maybe they did kind of these unthinkable things that you don't even want to process. But, but for whatever reason, again, we don't know what they did, but we know that they deserved crucifixion. So these are bad dudes getting crucified next to Jesus. And Luke, this guy named Luke that was a follower of Jesus, he actually picks up a conversation that happens between Jesus and these two other guys as they were hanging on the cross, being murdered because of what they had done. And this is, this is what it says. The first, the first criminal kind of looks at Jesus. It says, one of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him. He said, aren't you the Messiah? In other words, aren't you the king? Aren't you the son of God? Save yourself and us. Now, at first, when you read this, maybe it doesn't seem like he's insulting Jesus, but here's kind of the translation of, of what was happening right there. Basically, Jesus was being crucified, and this criminal next to Jesus looks over at Jesus and says, hey, Jesus, isn't that you? Didn't you claim to be the son of God? Look at you now. I guess your miracles ran out, huh? I thought you were big and bad. I thought you claimed to be God. I thought there wasn't nothing that you couldn't do. And now you're dying just like the rest of us. In fact, you're dying a criminal's death. In other words, what he was saying was, Jesus, you're no better than me. Now, now this again, this was like, a dying man's last word, he's upset, he's angry, and he's looking at Jesus, and he's just angry. And then the other criminal speaks up, and it says this. The other criminal rebuked him, um, which this is like, you know, rebuke is, is a Bible word for like, hey, idiot, you know, hey, come on, dude, don't say that. And so he says, don't you fear God? In other words, you really need to kind of keep a lid on it. He said, don't you fear God? He said, since you are under the same sentence. And what he's saying here is, you are getting what you deserve. And then he goes on. He says, we are punished justly for we are getting what our deeds deserve. But this man has done nothing wrong. In other words, what, what he was saying was he was saying, we are dying a criminal's death. And you know why we're dying a criminal's death? Because we're criminals. You know why we're being tortured? It's because we tortured other people. You know why we're being murdered? It's because we murdered other people. Do you know why we're going through pain? It's because we went through pain. In other words, what this guy is saying to Jesus, and this is crazy, he's looking at Jesus, he's saying, Jesus, if you take the scale of my life, the good stuff, the bad stuff, and you weigh it out, you know what I deserve? I deserve this. I deserve to be crucified because of what I have done. Doesn't matter about the good, doesn't matter about the bad. If you look at, you know, look at them all together, you stack up all the things I've done. This is what I deserve. I'm getting exactly what I deserve. And then that same criminal that just admitted all this stuff that he had done, he does, he does the unthinkable. And he asks Jesus for a favor. This is what he says. He said, Jesus... Remember me when you come into your kingdom. 
And he's asking Jesus for a favor, asking Jesus to help him. Now, obviously, you know, this guy apparently doesn't know the etiquette of asking someone for a favor. You know what I'm talking about? Like, have you ever, have you ever asked your parents for a favor before? You know, you want to go over to a friend's house, you want the keys, you want whatever. When you ask someone for a favor, what do you do? You list all the good stuff that you've done. You know what I'm saying? Like, like, like if you want to go over to a friend's house, you go up to your mom and dad and you say, hey, you look, oh my gosh, you look so good today. Come on, has anyone ever told you, come on, no, you're looking great. Have you lost weight, mom? Come on, that's awesome, that's awesome. Well, I wanted you to know, mom, that I, um, I clean my room, okay, just because, again, I'm a good son. So I clean my room, and, um, and then all the homework, you know, that you normally have to ask me to do, I did it. Okay, I did all my homework. And, um, and then, you know, my uh, stupid little brother, I mean, you know, my little brother. Okay, well, I helped him clean his room as well. I did all this stuff, okay? So can I go over to my friend's house? Is that cool? You know, like, like, like you list up all the things that you've done. You wanna make sure that she's got a great opinion of you before you ask her for a favor. So here's what this guy should have done, right? If he's hanging on the cross next to Jesus, he should have looked at Jesus and said, hey, Jesus, dude, tough day. You know what I'm saying? This is, it, it's, uh, it's pretty bad. Well, hey, I was thinking, just wanted you to know, um, we haven't really introduced ourselves. My name is Steve. And um, you probably didn't know this, but there was a time a few years ago, okay, an old woman, I'm talking, dude, she was like, she was struggling, okay? And she wanted to cross that dirt road. You know the one, right? And um, do these camels were just flying by, you know? It's like they didn't care about anyone, Here's what I did. I stepped out in the road. Man, I stopped those camels and I did a little, a little traffic cop. You know, I didn't even know the woman. I just was trying to help her. You know what I'm saying? Okay, so I did that one time. And then, uh, and then another time I went to the synagogue. I did. I went to the temple and um, I fell asleep. Okay. Um, so I don't really remember what the sermon was about, but I was there. Okay, so I got that done. And then this one time, this dude, man, he just made me so angry. And normally I'd have killed him. In fact, I did that to other guys, but I didn't kill him. Okay, so he made me angry. I didn't kill him. So anyways, in light of all that, uh, just could you remember me when you come into your kingdom? Could you help me out a little bit? But that's not what this guy does. He looks over at Jesus. He says, hey, Jesus, I just want you to know I'm getting what I deserve. I killed people. I murdered people. I did all of this bad, bad stuff. I'm getting what I deserve. I'm telling you, I don't deserve anything better than this. But Jesus, would you do me a favor? (laughs) And a lot of times we think Jesus would have responded with something like, no, (laughs) what? No, of course not. No, you just admitted you're getting what you deserve right? Don't you want me to be fair? This is what you deserve. Come on. And I know what you did last weekend too, trying to act like you didn't do that. I know all the stuff you did. She told me, he told me. In fact, there's the family right there. Remember the family of the kid that you murdered? They're right there. You think they want you to go to heaven? Of course they don't because you are a bad dude and bad people don't go to heaven. Okay. You're a bad dude. Besides, you know what? You're at the end of your life anyway. You don't have anything to offer me. Okay. And then, and then there's the other family that you hurt. Look at all these people that you hurt. Don't you realize all the bad stuff you've done? No, I'm not going to remember you. But that's not what Jesus said. Jesus said this. Truly, I tell you, today, you will be with me in paradise. (laughs) To which I, again, if I, you know, you gotta imagine the family might be down there looking at this event unfold and they're like, 
Time out. Jesus, don't you know what he's done? Yeah, I know what he's done. No, no, no. But like, he didn't tell you everything. He does deserve that crucifixion. He just admitted it. Why are you letting him into heaven? Why are you doing this for him? Because I love him. And I want to forgive him. And this guy, this guy had nothing left to offer to God. There was no, from now on, I promise to do this. From now on, my life's going to get better. He had nothing left to offer God. And here's the truth for us. You don't either. You don't have anything to offer to God that would make it worth it for him to save you. In fact, if you were to stack up your deeds, all the stuff that you've done, all the good, the bad, and you were to put them together, well, well Scripture actually tells us what you get. If you weighed it out, Scripture says this. It says the wages, what you deserve because of what you've done, is death. So you want to know what you deserve because of what you've done? You want to know how good you need to be? It really doesn't matter because at the end of the day, what you deserve is death. You deserve to die on the cross next to Jesus, just like that criminal. So if you want to talk about what we deserve and how good do I need to be and what behavior do I need to do, then guess what? There's nothing you can do because you and I, if we got what we deserved, we would get death. But the good news for us is that this wonderful verse does not end here. See, there's something that happens after this comma. It says the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. In other words, if you want to try to earn your way to God, what you're going to get at the end of the day is death because that's what you and I deserve. But if you want to accept the love of God, accept the forgiveness of God, the answer to that is life. And this is the gift of God, completely undeserved. You don't deserve it. The guy on the cross next to Jesus didn't deserve it. I don't deserve it. And yet God gives it to us freely. In other words, God doesn't accept you because you are good. He accepts you because you are forgiven. Because you are forgiven. And his love for you is bigger than any mistake that you've made bigger than the mistake of the guy dying on the cross next to Jesus. And it doesn't matter what you did last weekend, and it doesn't matter what you did a year ago or five years ago. It doesn't matter about the family that you grew up in and the tough situation that you had. God's love for you is the same, and he offers you a gift, the gift of forgiveness. It's not about stacking up your good deeds and bad deeds, and maybe one day, hopefully, God will love me. It's not about being better than the other person. It's about freely receiving the gift of God that you and I don't deserve. There's nothing we've done to deserve it. There's nothing we can do to deserve it. And there's some of you in the room that you've tried for a long time to be good and you thought maybe if you came to church, you'd be good and God would love you because of that. Or maybe if I just did some really good stuff, God would love me. But it's not about being good. It's about being forgiven because of the death of Jesus. And I know there's some of you in the room that you have never asked God to forgive you. You've never said what that guy on the cross next to Jesus said when he said, would you remember me? I know I don't deserve it. I know this doesn't make any sense, but I'm asking you for a favor. And some of you have never asked God for this favor. And so if that's you and you've never said yes to Jesus, 
you've never asked God to forgive you, this moment is for you. So this is what I want to ask you to do. If everyone in the room, if you can just close your eyes and bow your head, no one's going to be looking around. There's some of you in the room that, that you've accepted God's forgiveness. You know that he loves you. You know that he forgives you. Maybe tonight was a reminder that it's not about what you do, but it's about what Jesus has already done. And if that's you, man, I'm so excited that tonight was a reminder to you about the grace of God that you and I don't deserve. But if you have never accepted Jesus as your savior and you have never asked God to forgive you, I wanna lead you in a prayer right now. And so if that's you and maybe you're nervous and you don't really know what to pray, I'll, I'll, I'll say these words and then you can just repeat them right after me. God, I don't deserve your acceptance. And I don't deserve to be loved by you. But because Jesus died on the cross and because he rose again, I know that I too can be forgiven. And I know that I'm not perfect, but I thank you that Jesus died for me. And now I commit to follow you for the rest of my life.